If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 10, and we're going to be reading together uh, some selected scripture from that chapter. But before we do, I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer with me, which I need my glasses for. Join me in prayer. Living God, by your Holy Spirit, open our eyes to see the new light of this day. Open our lips to tell of the empty tomb. Open our hearts to believe the good news through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Luke chapter 10, reading from verse 1 through 11 and then on to verse 16 through to 20. Hear the word of the Lord. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. I am sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Not very Canadian, is it? Whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if a person of peace is there, your peace will rest on that person, but if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house, and whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you, cure the sick who are there, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go out into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off in protest against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God has come near. Whoever listens to you, listens to me. And whoever rejects you, rejects me. And whoever rejects me, rejects the one who sent me. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, in your name, even the demons submit to us. And he said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. Indeed, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and all, over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. The word of the Lord. 
I think that there are very few of us this morning who pray the kind of prayer that Jesus teaches his disciples to pray here. Jesus said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. We pray for many things in life, and so we should. The Scriptures, in fact, Jesus says, ask, seek, knock. Jesus invites us to come, all who are weary. I I think it's kind of contradictory to ask the weary to say amen. But if you've been weary, say amen. The weary and the the heavy laden, that's, that's some good Bible language. You know what heavy laden is? Heavy laden is you're just kind of weighed down. You're, just, you're not just tired, you feel like you're stuck. You're not just stuck, you feel like you can't go on. You're not just stuck and feel like you can't go on, you are waiting to see if someone or something will change your circumstances. Jesus says, come to me, all who are stuck, all who are weary, all who are struggling with their faith, all those who are overwhelmed by the plight of the world, all those who are struggling in their own walk of faith, everyone who is burdened, come to me and I will give you rest. Sounds pretty good to me. Prayer as coming to the Lord and bringing things to Him. But here, here is a prayer that very few Christians, I believe, pray. It is a prayer not for us and for what we need, but it is a prayer that we would become the people that God needs. It's the kind of prayer that we pray when we have a perspective of the world that goes something like this. God sent His Son into this world because He loves this world. Sin has corrupted this world. And through His Son's death and sacrifice on the cross and through His resurrection and ascension, He is doing all He can to save this world. It is the kind of prayer we pray when we believe that we are not just saved so that we can make it, but we are saved so that we may form a part of the mission of God in the world. No amens? Remember a few weeks ago I preached on Acts 2 on the day of Pentecost, and I suggested to you that Pentecost gives us the DNA for the church. The church was birthed by the power of the Holy Spirit so that we would go into all the world, and the Spirit enables the church to have the kind of language to speak the hope of God, even in changing cultures. And I think part of why we don't pray this kind of prayer is because sometimes we forget that the church is not a building. It is not a program. It's not a Sunday morning worship service. 
These things are important and they form a part of the life of this community, but we do understand that we are the church. You know, I was getting a kick out of it. At first, I didn't quite understand it. By the way, you all, <laughs> you all look real serious today. So one or two things are happening. Either my face is making you look this way, or you need to remind yourself that the joy of the Lord is not only your strength, but need to show up on your face like the general superintendent said yesterday. Sometimes people will say to me, you know, I, th I think the church should do this. Or, I think you, the professional Christian, the one we pay to get this thing right, should do this. I'm being a little sarcastic, hopefully humorous. Hopefully, we're still friends after this. God bless you, sister. <laughs> Whatever you had for breakfast this morning, I want to have every time I come to church. <laughs> but the church is the people. And the people are called. Not just to come but to go. Some of you say, oh, you know what, Stu, I'm fine. Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. My very good sociologist friend is not here today, but he will be proud of what I say next. You know what they say about the Western world and Canada and North America and most of Europe? The harvest is not like it was when Jesus was around. You know what they say? They say, uh, they say things like this, based on data and stats, and it's true, in case you think I'm challenging a good sociologist. They say that more and more people are becoming religious nuns, not nuns with the vestry and stuff, but those who do not want to associate with any religion. The fastest growing category of people in Canada when it comes to religion are those who want no religion. Now, there's multiple reasons for this, and I'm sure if my good friend, who will remain unnamed, was here, would point out. But I think one of the reasons why we see a growing disinterest in religion and perhaps even the church in particular is because of the manner of religion that people have witnessed. In fact, I would go as far as to say to you that we as Christians need to be penitent. We need to seek God's grace and mercy and forgiveness for the way in which others in the name of Christ have used violence to advance the very cause of Jesus Christ. And if we are to be honest with ourselves, 
And if we are to look back, we will have to say that while the church in many cases has proved to be a faithful remnant of those early churchgoers, according to Acts, that in many centuries of our existence, the church has used the means of the world to advance the ways of God. And when the ways of God are not advanced through the means of Christ, it creates enemies at worst and apathy at best. Where are the church, you say, Stu? You're saying that the harvest has changed because people don't respond to a particular type of religion, in particular the kind that is marked by coercion, oppression, and even violence. But yet, the Bible teaches us, according to what we read here this morning, that Jesus wants us to still believe that there are people in this world that are ready for the right kind of religion. I used to think I was pretty with it, you know. I'm glad you're not laughing. That, that means you believe that. I could have been. When I used to say to people, oh, you know, I'm not religious, I, I follow Jesus as a way to kind of distance myself from religion. The truth is we're all religious, right? You know that. Even the non-religious have a system of beliefs that shape how they think and live. And the question is not whether we're religious. The question actually is, what kind of religion are we living? What is the, what is the kind of religion Oh, old songs coming to mind. Give me that old. What? What? Some of you know that? This is such a true testimony of an intergenerational church. Those under 50 had no clue what you just did. Give me that old time religion. The kind of religion that advances the case of Christ through the means of Christ. You cannot be a Christian who speaks of the love of God and hate people. You cannot be a person who promotes the peace of God while living in conflict and discord with others. We cannot be a church who proclaims the transforming grace of God while we remain untransformed by that very grace. The kind of religion that we see in the text is marked by peace. The word peace in the Hebrew is the word, come on, I've been doing this 14 years with y'all. Look at you, smart Hebrew scholars. In the Middle East till this day and in the ancient East, this is the standard way of greeting people. Our Arabic friends will say, Salamu alaikum wa alaikum salam. It is the offer of peace and the reception of peace. In the Christian church, historically, we have offered each other the peace of Christ. It goes something like this, and I'm going to, this is, this is participatory preaching today. May the peace of Christ be with you. Well, thank you. Have you ever noticed how words can lose its meaning? 
how words can, over time, be distilled to be nothing more than just a pleasant acknowledgement. We can get up and say, peace of Christ be with you, and also with you, and still walk away going, I don't like them. <laughs> but you know what Jesus does? He renews our understanding of what he's come to do. He has come to offer, according to him, in John 14, when he is beginning to prepare his disciples for his departure, a peace that he wants to give them, not a peace as the world gives them. You know, the world gives us the fake perspective that peace is the absence of turmoil or conflict or challenge or hardship. That's just not true. Until the Lord comes and makes all things new. Until that day where Jesus returns and restores everything to that which he has intended, we live in a world that, quite honestly, doesn't feel very peaceful at times. So what on earth is the peace that Christ leaves with us? It cannot be circumstantial. It cannot be when I look at my neighbors and I see him drive up with that new Audi. Just pray for me, I'm having a hard time. And the handle of my 2009 Honda Accord breaks off as I open the door. The competitive, the, the desirous, the things in me that makes me feel that there should be something more that gives me the sense of belonging. It's like chasing the dangling carrot and never catching up. It cannot be a peace that is contingent upon having everything we need. Ask people who have a lot. They'll tell you that having things does not guarantee peace. The peace that is spoken of here is a gift that Jesus gives by his Spirit to those who welcome him. If you want to have peace, it doesn't begin with an internal mechanism of thought a cognitive ascent to a particular internal disposition. It begins by saying, God, breathe your life, your spirit, your peace into my being so that no matter the circumstances of life, no matter the challenges of life, no matter the losses in life, I will stand as your child faithfully for you are my peace. Ah. So, this peace, what does it mean? According to the Bible, it's more than just a saying, it is about wholeness. It's about deliverance. Shalom is about being renewed in spirit. It is about God's salvation. It is defined not only by joy, but it is defined by a deep sense of God's presence with His people. It is the kind of peace that Jesus embodied even as He walked His way to the cross. And I want you to understand what I am wrestling with myself, that pursuing such kind of peace in any other way than the example of Jesus Himself will not result in us possessing it, 
but it is only as we humble ourselves in the way that Jesus humbled himself that we can experience such peace. The aim in the Greek, the word is telos. The word for purpose, uh, purpose is often rendered in the English Bible as a translation of this word telos. Telos is more than just purpose, however. Our indigenous people will teach us that one word can have several nuances. Our English vocabulary often isn't as expansive. And when we translate from the Greek to the English, sometimes we lose the, the circumference or the breadth, I should say, of the meaning of a word. This particular word, talos, means this, to fulfill that which it has been created for. In other words, when Jesus sends his disciples, he is sending them out to fulfill that which he has come to this world for and that which they have been made for. It is to be agents of peace in a world that doesn't understand it and does not know how to grasp it or receive it. I have heard several times, listen, I'm preaching today, okay? It's Father's Day. I've heard it said, the world has changed. We're on the losing side. Things are going awry. What is happening to the church? I want to say to us, the reason we are tossed around like a little dinghy, is that a good word? What do you think when I say dinghy? I hope it's a boat. Okay. Instead of being caught up by the waves of anxiety and the fears that so easily rob us from our peace, why don't we turn back to the author of peace? The one who sends us into this world to be people of peace. Here's three things that I think it means. Going as people of peace into our world means we go as lambs and not wolves. Let me say that again because I think it warrants an amen. It means going into our world as lambs and not wolves. At first, this seems like folly. It seems like a stupid thing to do. There's a Greek word for stupid. I don't know what it is right now. Wolves are the natural predators of lambs. Jesus, I think you got it wrong. If we're going to change the world, we, we, we need to be wolves. We need to have a, are wolves cunning? And, you know, are they smart? I know, I know Pastor Brittany went to the wolf sanctuary and sat with them. I didn't think I was very smart. <laughs> uh, wolves represent uh, the kind of world we live in where the... Uh, the, the, the strong are praised and the weak are trotted on. Wolves are the ones who devour, who take. 
They do not come to bring peace. And they do not come to offer themselves. When Jesus sends his disciples out as lambs, it is only folly for those who don't understand that the world is not changed through power and violence, but the world can only be saved when it is shown in an alternative way, a way that is marked by service and grace and love and mercy, a way that is marked by deep trust, a way that is marked by a people who has such deep confidence that God is with them that even as they go into the territory of the wolves, even as they step into a world that at times wants to devour and take from them, that their peace holds because they go in the name of the one who holds them. We go as lambs because according to Revelation, now I'm preaching. You know if I go to Revelation, I'm preaching. Because in Revelation, the lamb that was slain, bloodied, scarred, is the lamb who sits on the throne. And it is that lamb on the throne who will judge the world and reconcile all to God at the end of the age. It is the lamb who suffers so that people like you and me can experience liberation and freedom and wholeness, and justice, and righteousness, and salvation, and hope. Do you want some of that? It is the way of the Lamb that ensures the peace of God. And the church is called to lay down its life as its Savior has laid down his life to save this world. The world does not understand the way of the Lamb. The world does not accept the way of the Lamb. Most of us believe that the way of the wolf is the way to the kingdom, but Jesus sends them out and says, unless you go without being prepared, unless you go just trusting that I will carry you through. Did you ever think of this? Let me pause. I'm getting tired. No sandals, no purse, no extra clothes. Don't speak to anybody. You know, Jesus wasn't being rude, right? Do you know that in the ancient Eastern culture, when you greeted somebody, it was more than just a hi and goodbye. You were there for a while. Jesus is saying to them, I don't want anything to detract you from doing that which I've called you to do. And you as a people notoriously find a lot of stuff to bring on the journey. I'm going to rid you of the temptation to carry things and to tell me you're not ready to go because you need your shoes and you need your purse and you need your handbag. Or, as I came here, you need your European carry-all. <laughs> we go into our world not armed with weapons of war, but with the offer of God's peace. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Listen to the Lamb language. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but he emptied himself. 
taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. But then hear this. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Those who go by the way of the Lamb can do so because they know there is a God who will raise them up. The people in our lives that give us the hardest times... We say amen. Yeah, some of you don't want to say that because it's the person next to you, right? <laughs> say a prophet is always without honor in his own hometown. Sometimes it's hard to love the people in your home. Can I get an amen? You know, uh, instead of us beginning with taking on the problems of the world, the conflict that is happening in the Ukraine, and we should care about that, pray for that. Anywhere there's conflict, we should pray and care about it. Anywhere people are exploited, even right here at home. We should care about it. But sometimes we think we should start there instead of start right here. I want to ask you some questions. I want to ask you, are you at peace? Are you a person of peace? Or is your life defined by conflict? Are you a person of peace or is your life, as you look at your relationships, is it defined by a distancing, a, a coldness, perhaps even resentment? Listen, let me, let me be uh, frank with you. I, I have a lot of people I want to put on a dartboard. Oh, I'm sorry, that's a British reference. Darts is this thing you play with a little. You know what, guys? I think I'm super funny this morning. I don't know why. I don't know why you're not laughing. I grew up in, uh, in racial segregation where the color of my skin was a determinant to my privilege or lack thereof. You know, I, I, have, a, I have a lot of reasons. I, I've experienced blatant racism, exclusion. Here's how most of us feel about things like that. We, we, we say, because we don't experience it, it must not be real. I just want to let you know. It happens still today. I want you to hear me say this. The way of the wolf is to become the very thing that is done to you. When people disrespect you, when people harm you, you don't have to experience racism to understand what I'm saying. Some of you, because you're a woman, have experienced this. Some of you, because you're from a different culture, have experienced this. Some of you, because you're older, have experienced this. Some of you, because you're younger, you've experienced this kind of thing. It happens. But you know, the response of the church is not the way of the wolf. The response of the church is the way of the lamb. When the world says fight, we go to our knees and serve. When the world says, grasp for power, we say, dear God, help us. 
Not only does the Word of God invite us to become lambs and not wolves, but to go as a people of peace means we learn to travel light. Are you still with me? Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house, and if a person of peace is there, your peace will rest on that person, but if not, it will return to you. Let me ask you by show of hands, who always overpacks? You're all not going on a trip with me. <laughs> You're the one that makes me miss the flight. I underpack, and then I have to figure out what I'm going to do for those two days that I don't have socks and underwear. Have you ever wondered why Jesus instructs? I've kind of talked about this already, but you know, he says, take no personal. Notoriously, right before this, in fact, if you read just before the text that I just read, the, there are three disciples who says, we can't go because we got some stuff we got to take off care of first. I got to bury my dad. That's pretty important. You know, I, I got to take care of some business first and, and then I'll go. I wonder what the reasons are we don't go. Because it seems to me that Jesus here wants to remove all the excuses that the disciples could give him to not go. Stop and think for a minute, what is it that we think we need before we can be Christ's representatives in our world. And Jesus is teaching them something important. He says, sometimes the thing that you need, think you need first before you can do what I want you to do will keep you from doing what I want you to do. And so he takes care of that. He says, take nothing and go and, and don't get distracted along the way and do what I've called you to do and just get out there because the mission will take care of your needs. Let me say that again. Jake, you signed up, man. There's no turning back. You said yes to the Lord. And as your pastor and your mentor and as your friend, I'm your friend, right? I want to have friends under the age of 30. I want to say to you that the road is harder than you think it will be. Far more challenging, but oh, the peace of following Jesus. I um, have often made this comment that a church without a mission fights about the color of the carpet. a lot of churches that expend a lot of energy on things that has nothing to do with being the church. I want you to know something. I'm appreciative of this place. Last night, the general superintendent came in here. He looked over that golf course, and I could see the envy in his eyes. I was like, that's right. <laughs> you don't have to be a general superintendent to have a golf course right outside your church. I love our space. I love our people. I love our church. 
I love what God is doing here. And I just wonder, I wonder if you can, if you can grab a hold of a vision that is bigger than the Christianity that perhaps some of us have grown up with. One that, that travels through this world holding loosely to things. Listen, I like nice things. When we had children, no more nice things for Stu and Ruthann. <laughs> I didn't mean that, Lauren. Well, let's just say I couldn't wear the same jeans I used to wear back in the day. Much more flattering back then, too. But sometimes, here's what keeps us from going. We have placed a high value on things that have no eternal value. What am I saying? Am I, am I saying that we cannot have nice things? No. I think God delights in blessing us. Come on. So I know I should go home and like be really excited for my neighbor who has that new Audi, right? We should be able to give God thanks for his blessings, the gifts he gives us, the things we enjoy. Do you know why Thanksgiving is a, pos a part of the values of our church? It's a part of the values of our church because what we're trying to do here is we're trying to say that as those who have received from God all that we need to live lives that reflect His grace in our world, we give Him thanks because we have all we need. And thanksgiving is at the heart of learning to be content and not allowing things to own us. And so, I come to my last point. And all God's people says, keep going. <laughs> Can I just say this before my last point? <laughs> I just, just to get my notes down. It's like, that's, that's kind of important. Uh, you know, when Jesus says, uh, don't take anything, he, he also makes this point that, that if you're going to be a person of peace, you're going to have to learn how to, to rely upon the hospitality of others. You know what I found out about you, Canadians? And by that, I mean everyone here. Is you like to be the host. You're not very comfortable being the guest. You know why? Because hosts have power. You know, when you learn how to be a guest in different cultures, you learn to eat what's put before you. You know what? <laughs> I've got some stories. <laughs> Not, nothing in this church. You put good things in front of me. But I have some stories. Uh, but, but isn't it interesting that Jesus not only says, don't, don't go with a whole bunch of stuff, but learn how. When you are a person of peace, to receive the gifts that others offer you. And get this. There's so much I can preach on you. Maybe this should have been a series. And don't... Don't keep your eye, you know, when, when you're in a room with a bunch of people and they're important and you're constantly looking over their shoulder for the next important person and they know you don't really care about them. Have you ever been that person? Have you ever been the person who, who, who is overlooked 
Hey, Jen, how are you doing? Man, it's so good to see you. Hey, Ruthie, how's it going? <laughs> you know what Jesus is saying? He's saying, you know, those who practice peace, where they are received, they learn to be present. And they learn to receive that which is given to them. Discontentment will always keep you looking beyond the places and the people that God has called you to. And finally, going as people of peace means practicing discernment. <sighs> Stay where you are. Stay where you are, where you are welcomed. And move on when you are not welcome. Let me just say a few things in closing. Not everyone will want to receive the peace of Christ. And not everybody wants to offer it. But what we do know, according to Jesus, is that we go in peace to absolutely everyone we come into contact with. And the decision is really up to them as to whether they will respond. I wonder what doors in your life is Christ telling you to go to? Perhaps one of the reasons we don't want to offer peace is because we fear rejection. I don't do well with rejection. How about you? Let me, let me give you just a quick anecdote. I'm driving in my Honda. It's a nice car. It's reliable. It's not fast, and now that I have two teenagers driving, I like it. And uh, I see this uh, F-150. Anybody own an F-150? A red one? <laughs> License plate CCP. <laughs> <laughs> and it's trying to merge into my lane, and I slow down. See, I'm a pastor. Always making room for people. That's me. Slow down, and they merge in. And then I watch two cars ahead, and on that same lane, that little Toyota Prius. Anybody ride a Prius? No shame in the game, friends. No shame in the game. Trying to get off, and that F-150 <laughs> comes to within an inch of the car in front of me because he's not letting that Prius in. And then something happens in my spirit that's not very pastor-like. <laughs> if I let you in, what the heck's going on in your head, man? You've been shown grace, and yet you don't give it back? You've been given space, and you won't make any room? You know, there's a parable in the Bible that Jesus tells of a man who owed the two months' wages to somebody. 
And the guy that he owed the money to actually had a much bigger debt he couldn't repay. And when the king brought that man to account, he said to that man, I'm going to throw you in prison along with your whole family. The man begs for mercy. The king forgives him a debt that he could never repay. He leaves, sees the man who owes him two months' rent, throws his hands around his neck and starts to throttle him. I think one of the reasons we do not live as people of peace is because we fear that peace will not be received. Grace will not be returned. But let me ask you a question. If Jesus loved like that, where would you and I be today? Even when people do not reciprocate, offer peace. Even when people don't thank you or love you or herald you as a good pastor for making space on the highway, offer space. For as many times as we learn to be people of peace in a world that is struggling to find it, we will begin to see the peace of God transform us and we will know such peace. I'm going to invite the team to come and I know I've gone long today. I didn't preach last week, right? You know sometimes you just know the Lord is saying something, something to the church. You sense that today? Will you leave here and will you act upon what God is teaching you? Or will we continue to hear good sermons? No God's people says amen. We try real hard here, by the way. But you know, It's like listening to good music for a while. You just kind of get used to it. The point of it is always to live it. I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to sing one more song, and then you'll be dismissed. And I want to announce, I'm always willing to pray with you, and there's pastors here would love to pray with you. And we'll pray right here as the service ends if you want. But also... Take this message with you and do something with it. Right after the service, our team, um, who did an outstanding job yesterday hosting our district and has put on wonderful treats for you as you leave on Father's Day, uh, invite you and to stay and offer each other peace. <laughs> and so we want to invite you following the service to do the same. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the fact that we can have joy while being serious. We can listen deeply to your word while laughing. We can experience your grace even when we feel we're at the end of things. 
that somehow even in our laughter today together, you remind us that you are the one who does the heavy lifting. There is literally nothing, and I say this, Lord, knowing that for some of us, there's some really heavy things today, but there's literally nothing that you're able to, not able to take care of on our behalf. And so in faith, I offer to you our prayers, our prayers for healing, our prayers for comfort, our prayers for strength. Uh, I offer, Lord, on behalf of this church, prayers of confession for the ways in which we have acted, perhaps even aggressively towards others. And we seek your forgiveness. And we ask that instead, you would implant within us by your spirit, the gift of your peace. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.